Well, just now we were singing a song and we're saying, you know, hey, that, that we surrender. You know, hey, that I surrender. Now, you know, words are very easy to, to speak. It's really kind of easy to sing, but uh, until they captivate your heart, until your heart is changed by the truth of our need for Christ, and then we see our need for Christ, and then we begin to follow Him, and, and uh, we begin to submit to Him, and we begin to surrender to Him, and it gets hard because, and the reason why it gets hard is because there's this little thing they didn't tell you in school, really, but it's a thing called life. And life kind of beats us down, and we don't really get too encouraged in life. So now we have a thing where our faith and what we speak of in church and what we talk about through the Bible is now intersecting with this thing called life, and life is hard. Life actually stinks sometimes. Hey, life is difficult. Why? Because once you get to be about 24 years old, you know, it's harder before then, don't get me wrong, but I mean, for the most part, mom and dad have now, you know, kind of cut the umbilical cord, and now you're like totally on your own, outside of the nest, you're falling, and it's like fly or die kind of thing. And then now we got to determine is these things that we've learned about in church and in school, and we put all these things together, and then now it becomes a thing that's called life, and how will we live? I mean, how will we survive? And I found in my life is this, the more I surrender to God and the more I submit to His power and His authority and His holiness and in who He is, it, it doesn't become really easier, but I find myself more successful because I'm not living for Jimmy Guffey anymore. Now I'm living for the Savior. And you know what? I have to wake up every single day and say, I surrender. Hey, I, I surrender. I surrender to Your Lordship, Your Majesty, Your beauty, Hey, everything that you are, have we done that? I'm telling you guys, it's really easy in a song. Yesterday, I think I shared already, but I'm going to share it again, man. I've never been so excited to worship with a group of people. Man, they have surrendered everything. You talk about, I don't believe like in levitation and worship, you know, before y'all start. There's a cult down there that said, but man, these guys' feet weren't even touching the ground. They're wide open, man. They're just singing to the glory of God. Hey, 10,000 reasons they're singing, man. I'm sitting there thinking, now I, I'm not really raising my hand or anything. I'm just bawling. I don't know if my wife saw me, you know. Here's how the man cries in church. <laughs> baby, you okay? Yeah, baby, I'm okay. What you talking about? You okay? Hey, listen, I'm okay. You okay? Are you crying? Hey, listen, we act like that. But man, my heart can't help but to be touched by changed lives for the glory of God. And that's what these people did. And now they're not only changed for the glory of God, now what they've done is this. And I think it was great. Their whole praise team are former addicts. I mean, former addicted people. They're still in recovery. But man, they're just shouting to the glory of God. Not all of them had the greatest voice, okay? I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm not being ugly, but they are singing 100%. Now, they sang 10 times better than me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not judging the way they sing, but man, they're just free. And what they've done is discover this. And what we're talking about the next couple of weeks is our shape. And it's not, you know, how much did you eat last night? But we're talking about our spiritual gifts. Okay? Last week in small group, hopefully you began to discuss. If you didn't, this week we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But our spiritual gift. By the way, on our website, hopefully this today, 
Go back, there's going to be another spiritual gift survey. It's going to be longer, okay? I know y'all are excited about that. It's going to be like 130 questions, but the thing about it is this. We're trying to pinpoint and get as close as possible what your spiritual gift is so that you can know, hey, how can I more effectively serve Christ? Instead of doing it in your ability, but doing it in His, his uh, spiritual gift that He's given you, I promise you, you're going to be more successful. How many of you want to be successful? Y'all not very responsive today. You're like, hey. Some of y'all over here are like, yeah, like you're waving at me, but you're really waving at the person down here. Hey, how you doing? All right, listen. Hey, we want to be successful, so why would I want to spend 8, 10, 20 years of my life doing something that I'm never going to be very successful in? Hey, and then the second one is heart. Today we're going to talk about heart. What does your heart lean towards? What is it bent towards? What is your, 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 you know, when you think about what really, what makes you get up in the morning other than bills? kids your spouse is snoring or anything above like that hey did we get up now because why because i don't want to sleep under a bridge or we got to pay the car payment or hey because you know i don't know what it is i I don't like my spouse so i got to get out and go to work you know i don't know what your reasoning is but all of us get up and we have a heart for something what makes your heart beat with passion i know for me my kids my heart beats for my kids. I joke around up here about them all the time. I love my kids. I love them. Man, I am passionate about my kids. I haven't seen my kids in two days. I'm almost starting to miss my kids, okay? Listen. But I love my kids, and they're smart, and they're a joy, and they're in abundance. Man, I would do anything for them. But I also have a heart for Jesus. And my heart for Jesus makes me want to just burst on the scene and say, hey, I have arrived and this is my goal. This is my calling. It's to see people's lives change for the glory of God. I live for no other reason. My kids happen to live in this world, so I live to see their lives change for the glory of God. That's what gives my heart beating. That's what gives me passion. In the scriptures, real quick, I'm going to read this one scripture. You're going to think, this doesn't really fit in, but I want you to catch this first and we can go on. But it's in Colossians chapter uh, 3, verses 22, 23 and 24 says, Slaves, in all things, obey those who were your masters on earth, not with external service, as those are merely pleased men, but on sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord. Now, I know y'all thinking, well, we're not slaves, but we're bond servants of Christ. Listen, we submit to Christ, but I don't want to get into the slavery thing. It's not important right now for what I want to share. But it says, don't do it just for the slave master. Don't do it for just who you work for. But do it with sincerity of heart, fearing God. What if we went to work tomorrow and we put in an effort, instead of saying that we're serving this person, that we're saying this, that we're serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How would we work different? Martin Luther King, I can't quote him correctly, but he said, man, don't matter what you do, or it doesn't matter what you do, hey, it doesn't matter what you do, but if you do this, you do it for the heart of for the Lord. If you do it this way, hey, man, if you're going to be a garbage man, do the very best you can and be the best garbage man that you can be. How many of y'all think that's an obtainable goal or something that you really want to become? Hey, listen, be the very best at what you do. God's called you to be a housewife. Be the very best housewife that you can be. Thank God for that. That's a job. 
I'm kind of like the house husband, kind of, because I work out of the house. My wife works as a teacher. Hey, listen, she comes home tired. I'm not always the blessing, but I like to take care of her. Man, but I do it. Why? I'd love to make my wife happy. But man, I want my house to honor and glorify God with everything that we do. Hey, that's what he's saying. It says, hey, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord whom you serve. Man, I want to do this, and I want to do something awesome for God. Why? Because he has bent my heart towards this thing. Man, I want to glorify him with everything that I do. And now when you get this kind of attitude, guess what? Your heart is free. Now your heart is free. Guess what? Now you can begin to serve him in the way that he's called and designed you. On the first fill in the blank here is this. Three conditions your heart must display to have a really a kingdom impact. Number one is this. Your heart must be pure. Hey, your heart must be pure. Now the verses here is kind of messed up, but it's 51, 10 through 12. And the scripture says this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Hey, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And understand this, this is a gentleman who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. This is a man who absolutely loved the Lord. This is a man who was called to be king. Okay, he was called to be king. God, his heart was bent towards him. And then it says that all of a sudden now, and I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but he's up on the rooftop, okay? He's on the rooftop when he should be leading God's people in war. And what's he doing up on the rooftop? He's gazing at the moon? Yeah. Bathsheba's just a couple houses down, and he's watching her, and she's bathing herself. And now his whole mind went crazy. Instead of being the man that God had called him to be, he now becomes a man of lust. Then he sends his people to go get her for him. Comes to his house. Guess what? They talk a little bit. They talk a little bit, and a little bit later he finds out that she's pregnant. Now she's pregnant. Now he tries to cover his sin by having his best friend come off the, the, the line. So his best friend comes off the line in war where he should have been in the first place. And he says, man, go hang out with your wife and have a great time tonight. He didn't have the guts to confront the sin. Two or three times he wouldn't do it because he was a man of integrity when the king wasn't. And then it says after that, he's mad. He sends him back out to the war. He sends him out and he sends a letter to his men. He said, listen, put him out on the front lines and then you run back and just let him get slaughtered. Why? Because he had come home. Everybody saw him in town. They would think that he would have been with his wife and now he goes out and he dies in war. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. Then he gets called out by a good friend. And now this is the psalm where his heart is absolutely broken over the sinfulness that he displayed. And he's saying, hey, listen, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your sight. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Man, that would have to be one of the harshest and one of the most sad things in the world. King Saul, who David became king after, says the Holy Spirit was taken away. Spirit of God. And now he's a man who had the power of God working in his life, and now he's without any help. How heartbreaking would that be? How terrible would that be? That knowing that God's power is upon you, then now you fight in your own power. 
This is the man here now, David. He did all these crazy things. He saw the example of Saul. Now he's absolutely heartbroken. In verse 12, and it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Hey, he said, in spite of all these things that have happened, God, I'm asking you to restore that spirit within me to make me what I used to be, to help me, let me be pure again. Hey, guys, this is the perfect psalm to go back to when you slip up. Hey, because I know this. Jimmy loves him himself. Jimmy loves him some flesh. Jimmy loves to do what he wants to do. But when I look at it according to God's word, guess what? It brings me back to who I need to be. I won't say centered. That sounds so new age. But what it does is helps me to get back to be the person that God's called me to be. And then you know what? Hopefully my heart is broken. And when my heart is broken, then I can be the man of God that God's called me to be. Hey, your heart must be pure. The second thing is this. Your heart must be bent towards God. And this is kind of where I got ahead of myself. Goodness, look at this. I put in cheat sheets so I could do it faster. Now I can't. Let's see. So I tell my wife, I'm glad she's married, good looking, not smart, right? Who said amen? I'm not really sure what you meant back there, okay? But you come through my line when you come. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, listen, it says this in verse 21 of uh, Acts 13. And it said that after he had removed him, he raised up David. Excuse me. Yeah, 22. He said, but after he had removed him, which is King Saul, he raised up David to be their king concerning him, whom he had testified and said, I have found David, the, man, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Now, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I struggle with that. I'm thinking about, man, this man's jacked up. You know, just earlier in the Bible, you said he did all this stuff. But what God realizes is this. You know what? We are in the flesh. We make mistakes. But there's a difference between being surrendered to the flesh and being surrendered to the Spirit. You know, when you're surrendered to the Spirit, it doesn't make you any less human. You're apt to mess up. But guess what? His heart and desire can still be bent towards Him. I shared with you, I think, last week, man, the guy that led me to start in the plan of church, he's in prison today. That's a good mentor for church planning, right? Okay? All right, so the guy that led you to do this, I know he's in prison. That's cool. Hey, listen, he is. Because in a couple moments of just ignorance, and he'll say, man, I've absolutely sinned. I've absolutely done the wrong thing. By the way, for y'all wondering, he, he tried to rob a bank because he was in extreme debt. And this man sits in prison now more free than any of us are because he's realized that he repented and his life has changed, and he's thanking God that now his life is right and where it needs to be. He's totally surrendered to God after a horrible, horrible, sinful mistake. Hey, he's a man after God's heart. David was a man after God's heart. Understand this. Yes, the flesh got in the way. His attitude got in the way. Hey, even murder, but his heart was bent towards God. Now, this isn't something that you can just say, I kind of love Jesus. I think I'm going to go outside and do this and do that. No, he's not talking about that. He didn't set out to plan this, I'm sure. He didn't say, hey, man, I think I'll stay back and hang out and watch Bathsheba. But what he did is he began to let his guard down. Started to let it down a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Guys, that's a warning to you and for me. 
You say it's just a little thing? Somebody tells me this, well, I can go kind of look and window shop, can I? And women, I'm just going to tell you straight up, if you say that's okay for your man to window shop, you need to get right. I mean, seriously, okay? Hey, listen, the reason why is this. Because now it begins to burn in his mind this impression that it's okay. And he begins to look. And I'm telling you guys, hey, I never lusted until I looked the first time. Hey, I never messed up in that way until I looked the first time. And I looked and then I said, man, she's kind of good looking. Now, there's no problem with saying a woman's good looking. I have one amen here saying when I, my wife married good looking instead of smart, you know. Hey, listen, so it's okay to kind of look. One glance, I look at, hey, Wesley, he's a handsome young man. I don't think he's a hunk, but understand this. I mean, I don't have to, do I? Yeah, that's right, boy. He'll be leading special music in a minute. So. Now I don't even know where we were going, Wesley. Thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Okay? Hey, listen. But as hard as bent towards God is what I'm trying to say. I know what I was saying. Hey, that it begins with a casual glance. Then it comes with a look. And then I'm looking at it and say, man, Wesley has a great guitar. Okay? I wanted, you thought I was talking about him. I was talking about his guitar. And, he, and it is nice. And I want that guitar. And you keep looking. So now the desire begins to overtake. Say, I'm going to have that thing. And then now I'm going to take that thing. And now I don't care. Stop it at the very beginning. Don't even look at Wesley's guitar. <laughs> hey, don't even look at the thing that you think that, hey, it's really innocent. Hey, in Job, I believe it's Job. Hey, it says that he made a covenant with his eyes not to look at another woman. Hey, he made a covenant with his eyes, something that can't be broken. He made a covenant with his eyes. You know, when Beth and I first got married, hey, listen, I was still in the flesh. I still had wandering eyes. I know that seems kind of surprising. But as I mature and as I grow and my love for her develops, and not even develops, as it grows even more and more and more, man, I only have one eye for one woman. Two eyes for one woman. <laughs> you got to remember, I was in that recovery meeting yesterday. It was a, <laughs> whew. Guys, y'all got to go. I mean, just pay to go see him and worship with him. It's awesome. Hey, listen, I got two eyes for one woman, and I don't really care what walks in front of me, man. My woman is beautiful. She's awesome. She's sweet. I'm not trying to dig myself out of a hole, but I have told myself, and I have convinced myself, and I have seen the person that God has given me. Hey, I only have eyes for her, and it's not going to ever change until I make it acceptable now for me to begin to look again. Till it becomes acceptable now for me to just look a little longer to see how cute she is. Or it becomes a little longer now to now where I've allowed myself to begin to dream into lust. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stop it at the very beginning. The greatest thing I can do for my Savior is to stay pure before Him. And you know what? I don't have to say, hey, he had a heart for God. You know what? And y'all be thinking, yeah, right. You didn't see him on the beach that other day. Now listen, I want people to realize when they see me that they know my heart is bent towards God. Hey, most people kind of knew that about David, but David has some secrets. What are we holding on to? Now number three, I know y'all scared. It's like, man, he's gone a long way and we got all this information. But number three is this. Your heart must beat for passion for 
I'm going to let y'all fill that in in a minute. But Luke 2.15. You say, I'm stretching this a little bit. I want you to catch my heart here. And it says this. Now this is when the angels have come and pronounced the birth of Jesus. And it said, And when the angels had gone away from them in heaven, the shepherds began saying one to another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then. And see this thing which has happened from which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found the way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known with a statement that that what had been told to them about this child. In verse 18, And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherd. And then this, verse 19, But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Listen, she wasn't just so excited she had baby Jesus. Now understand, man, that had to be, you know, I had, Beth's had two children. They're pretty cool, man. They come out, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes, two ears, you know, healthy. And you're like, this is awesome. It'd be just a little different if baby Jesus, you know, come on the scene. I have to admit that. But I mean, she has this, but she's treasuring the heritage, the lineage, everything that this has encompassed. Guess what? She gets to raise the Savior of the universe. Man, she gets to do this. This is her calling in life. And guess what? She doesn't, it doesn't say here, and I understand it probably got hard. But she treasured this thing, man. Her heart was wrapped around it, and it was just not, I mean, there was no Jerry Springer or no, you know, what other channels, TV, Dr. Phil. There wasn't these things that they promoted, but she knew exactly, hey, what God had called her to do, that God would call her to raise the Son of God. That was her calling. Man, she was passionate. Man, she was excited. Man, it captivated her. And I'll guarantee you, man, when she said, hey, little Joe, come here, buddy, we got to talk. I got a baby on the way. What? What you talking about? You know, because they, they hadn't, uh, you know, been together yet. They hadn't been married. And I understand it must have been hard. But as she realized that everything that it encompassed, man, she treasured all this in her heart. Hey, what is your heart bent toward? What are you excited about? Hey, your heart must beat with passion for you have to fill in the blank. Now, how are we going to help you fill in the blank? You see this long piece of paper here? We're going to talk about it really, really quick. Now, I will say this. Everything after this is not my stuff. It comes right out of the book of shape that we've been talking about. But the reason why I want to give it to you is this. Not all of y'all are in small groups. And you're going to go home and you're going to wonder, how can I develop and find out what my heart is for God? This is going to help you. The first thing we need to see is this. Number one, what drives you? What drives you? And some questions to help you answer this is this. What do my dreams and desires drift towards? What do I really want to do for God? What motivates me to take action? What do I crave? And I'll be honest with you, I struggled with this one for a little while. Because I went between Jesus and Krispy Kreme donuts, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, okay, what do I crave? Jesus, Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme, Jesus. Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme, Krispy, bounce your eyes. Jesus, you know, and, and I'm going back and forth. What does your heart really hey, be for? What do you crave? What really, really, really gets your heart churning? Hey, for Jim Baker, I believe that's the guy's name that started uh, Celebrate Recovery. Hey, he was an addict and he was addicted to alcohol and he had left his wife and he was, he'd made up his mind he's just going to begin to live for himself again. 
And then he just kind of stumbled into Saddleback and his wife. I don't remember if they went together or not at this point. But, but a little bit later, they're reconciled and they're there. And then they realize that God had called them to be married. And now through the addiction that they had, that he had and she had, that their lives began to change. He said once his mind became clear and the alcohol was gone, he realized that God had planted deep in his heart to help other people who were addicts. Now understand this, this is one man, I don't know how many billions of people there is in the world, like nine point something now, something like that. Let's just say, it's a lot more than when I was a kid. There's a ton of people, if you don't believe it, just drive through Atlanta. Because I saw almost two-thirds of them right there. Thank God there was no snow. But we're driving, and, and, he, and, uh, and, he, and all these people in the world, God had implanted in his heart a passion now, he's given other people this passion, but he give them a passion to see lives changed, just like his life was changed. Hey, it started with God speaking to one person. The question for us today is this. Here, in Brunswick, exit 29, what has God given us a passion? Not Jimmy Guffey, because the cool thing is this. I'll tell you in just a second. No, I won't. I'll forget. The cool thing is this. He came up with this list of like 10 things that he thought that they could start so they could help recovering addicts. And he took it to Rick Warren. And Rick Warren is looking at this. He goes, man, this looks really, really good. He goes, yeah, man, I think you need to start it. And he goes, uh, good luck. That's your ministry now. They have a church of 9,000 at the time. And now he's got this man and this guy's having a calling and God's starting to woo in his heart and to, to churn to start a ministry. And Rick Warren says, all right, let's get her going. You're the one. Why? Because understand this. I don't have a heart for everything that you have a heart for. All right, you need proof? Saturday's during football season. I can't root for the evil empire, okay? It's a team in Gainesville. God's country is the team that I root for. Listen, but we're not going to have the same hearts for other things. Listen, I've never done drugs. Never. I don't understand what it means to come off of a high. I can't comprehend. I've been drunk, but I've never been addicted and become an alcoholic. I've never done that. I can tell you what a hangover feels like. I can't tell you what it means to where you would steal from family, that you would steal from uh, other people, that you would take food off of a kid's plate so that you could get your next hit. I have no understanding. I know my heart breaks for that. But the best person I have an understanding that can help minister in that situation is somebody who's been there and done that. Yesterday I had the privilege of going with four other people, five, count my wife, to Atlanta and watching these guys and gals, eyes light up over the life changes happening people and they're excited about the possibility of starting that ministry here. What drives you? Number two, what do you care about? You know, God might have given you a passion, but what do you really care about? Hey, and some of the questions to ask yourself is, who do I feel I can most profoundly influence for God? When I walked in there yesterday, guys, now understand this. I'll just say this. People say, is, is tattoos a sin? Is it not a sin? I'm not going to get into all that. All I know is this. I would like one, okay? But the fact is they're too expensive and they hurt. If they could do it without a needle, like brush on, like water paint, dude, I would be, you know, boom, thugged out. But then, listen, I, I can't do that. I saw somebody on Facebook yesterday, I should have been smarter when I went to get a tattoo because it's a five-hour tattoo. I could only handle three hours. Really? 
You go spend all those hundreds of dollars to get tortured? If I won't do that, I'll volunteer at daycare, okay? I mean, that's what I'll do. I, I can't hang. But when I walked in there, I'm thinking, I could have jumped up on that stage and said, hey, yo, listen, all y'all addicts out there, listen to me. I've never been addicted to anything. I don't have any tattoos. I've never beat up anybody. I've never uh, done this. I've never done that. But this is how you get clean. The truth of the gospel still works. But do you think they're listening to me? No. I mean, think about if well, Grandpa Jones is kind of more recent, but you know, what's her name? Used to be on Hee Haw and all that stuff. Uh, the old lady used to who? Minnie Pearl. What do you think if she went to a Keith Urban concert today? <laughs> ah! Hey, she'd freak out, throw that thing off with a tag on, it and say, "Man, I didn't know I was going to a rock concert. They got steel guitars now." Listen, they got all this music, pyrotechnics, everything. They're good-looking men now, okay? I mean, they, you know, back then, they don't, I mean, George Jones, come on, guys. I mean, he wasn't the most handsome fellow in the world. But listen, he's like, man, this is a show. She couldn't stand up and say, all right, we're going to start singing some country music today. No, listen, bless her heart. I, I was raised on he all Don't joke about it. I have no idea. I don't know how to relate to some of these guys. Now, we're connected with Jesus now, but I don't, but I have friends who have. And I have friends whose heart is bent towards that. But guess what I can do? Somebody who's been sexually abused, I can sit down across the table and my heart will break and I will cry over the pain and agony that they have inside. That's what God's given me the ability to do. Hey, what do you care about? Number three, what needs will you meet? Hey, you got to decide pretty quick. Is it going to be spiritual, physical, relational, emotional, educational, vocational? What do I mean by that? Yeah, we're going to meet spiritual needs, but not if they're Christian or not. But if they are a Christian, hey, now what? Are they overweight? Hey, anybody knows how to lose weight? I'll, I'll be in your class, you know, and it's, uh, I want to get the physical side down. Hey, relational. Hey, marriages are torn apart. Guess what? You might want to help there. Emotional educational hey listen i made it to sixth grade anybody sixth grade and below i can help you my kids said they wanted me to homeschool them <laughs> titus asked me to help him with his homework and he actually helped me but anyway that's a whole different story hey vocational helping getting people plugged in hey what are two top needs that i love meeting some people it is you might be a good at helping somebody uh you know, obtain a, a educational goals. Hey, why do I love meeting those needs? Hey, why does it make your heart beat? Why does it get you excited? Hey, what lessons have I learned that I can pass on to others? Hey, what lessons have you learned? I can tell you this. Any person that sits before me that has unforgiveness in their heart, I can tell you how it absolutely killed me. At a Baptist college, wanting to kill my father. Excuse me if there's kids in here. But I wanted to actually literally kill my father because I hated his guts for the abuse. And then God absolutely, radically rocked my world with the true story of forgiveness. Man, I was able to forgive my father. I've been able to lead so many people to be able to forgive people. Why? Because it's happened to me. Hey, if you've never had a real big issue with that, now most people have, but if you never have, you can't lead somebody where you've never been before in that. Number four, what causes will you help conquer? 
This is a whole list of things, but these are some things that are pretty good. Hey, abortion, abuse, violence, alcoholism, at-risk children, deafness, divorce, ethics, HIV, AIDS, environmental type stuff, poverty, hunger, compulsive behavior issues, spiritual apathy, dis- disabilities and or support, drug abuse, recovery, financial stewardship, health and or fitness, policy and or politics, hey, law and or justice system, sexuality and gender issues, hey, marriage, family issues, Christ-centered parenting, sanctity of life, educational issues, and homelessness. And I think that, you know what, we could do a pretty good job of hitting these. I'm not saying we need to do all, but everything that's been bolded right here is things that we're actively kind of working with right now on a small, small scale, but we're about to take off. Another thing is is Chaplain Joe, if you want to go talk to him, he helps uh, homeless people all the time through the truck stop ministry. I have a list of stuff right here that he says, and I'm not going to read them right now. You can come see me afterwards. But these are some things that he'd like to have donated so he can help every single day in this community right here at Exit 29. He needs some people that he wants to help lead lead in worship when they have their chapel set up. Maybe some people that will go speak. So you want to help with these things, here's some questions to ask yourself. Hey, what's the cause or issue that makes my heart race? Hey, what does it really get you excited about? Had some people here that has been visiting and, and looking to get plugged in. He said, man, listen, whenever we do get plugged in, I have the ability and the, I can help people like, start to work out and get in better shape. And, you know, I prayed about that until he came here. You know what I mean? So now I'm thinking, well, we don't need to start that yet, okay? No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, he's talking about, hey, man, listen, it could be a ministry. It won't be biggest loser, but it'll be, hey, you could be the biggest winner. That you can turn that frown upside down, that you can be in better shape. That now you can serve Jesus more vigorously. Why? Because you have the energy to. All right, next. <laughs> Let's just get by that one there. Uh, hey, I'm just kidding. Okay, listen. When he steps on my toes, that hurts. Where can I make the greatest impact for God? If time wasn't an issue, what cause would I donate myself to? Hey, if time wasn't an issue, what would you give yourself to? And number five is this. What dream would I fulfill? What dream would I fulfill? I tell people all the time is this. I want this whole church asking themselves, if I could do anything for God and not fail, what is it that I would do? Hey, if there's anything in the world that you could do for God, money wasn't an issue, time wasn't an issue, abilities weren't an issue, hey, but if there's anything that you felt like you could do for God and you would not fail, what would you do? But then what I would say is this. Start peeling off the onions and the excuse, and let's get to work and doing it. Why? Because, and I'm guilty of this. It's one thing to say, hey, we're going to impact this community. It's a whole other thing to walk out that door with the intention of doing it. The old country song, a little less talk and a lot more action. I'm not really sure what they were talking about, but what I do know is this. Hey, listen, we've talked long enough as a church, myself included. We need to be more active. And I'm going to leave you with this question. Will you commit to praying over this whole sheet? That's the reason why I typed it up. I'm a slow typist, by the way. I typed all these up for the sole purpose of this. So that you could look at it, so that you could begin to praying about it, so that you could begin to think, hey, how can I make an impact in this community? 
I will say this, Celebrate Recovery, it's wide. It's just not alcohol and it's just not drugs. Man, it's talking about people that have been raped, sexually abused, gender issues, uh, overeating, uh, codependency, uh, all kind of things. I met with a gentleman that's over FaithWorks. His last name is Culpepper. I don't know if y'all know him. But as he began to talk and he began to share... And they began to share their ministry, man. I was, I was super pumped up. There's one thing that I disagree with him about, but I'm not going to get into that. But it's, it's like, okay, man, I can almost just dive 100%. But I got to thinking, I want to work with our brothers and sisters in Christ all over this community. But why can't we just do some of this? Because this is our heartbeat right here. I'm not saying that we're better than anybody. Just say, hey, listen, we're going to depend on the Holy Spirit to lead us right here, right now. This church. Would you commit to praying over all these questions and begin to ask God, say, God, begin to work in my life and begin to show me what you would have me to do. You were placed on earth to make an impact. I fully believe it. I don't think it called you to be rich, handsome, popular. He's called you to make an impact. Are you willing to? Are you willing to? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, grace, and mercy in our life. Father, we thank you, Father, that although we, uh, we're not really sure how yet, but Father, you've called us to begin to investigate, Lord, uh, what? So God, may we be diligent to search and to research and to seek, Lord, that which you had called us to do. Father, I'd like to add right now for the whole church that, Father, we can't even begin to do ministry without your power resting upon us. And, God, we can't do things in your power if we don't know you. So, Father, I pray for the one who doesn't know you as their Lord and personal Savior. Father, I pray for the one that's here today that has questions that, Lord, that you will um, direct them, Lord, to come see one of us to talk to. But, Father, it's our goal, Lord, here first and foremost that, that Lord, that you have called us to, to follow you faithfully. Lord, we can't do that without knowing that you're the Son of God. That, Father, you stepped out of heaven. That, Lord, you were born, born of a virgin. That, Lord, you lived a perfect life. And at the age of about 33 and a half years old, Lord, that you gave your life for us. That, Father, you died on the cross to take our place. The Father, in our biggest and most wretched state, the Lord, you reached out of heaven and gave us a gift. Father, I pray for the ones in here today that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. The Father, even as we begin to sing, the Father, you begin to woo in their heart their need for Jesus. The Lord, as we know Jesus, the Father, we can serve in total freedom. Lord, thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for the people. Father, I pray, God, that you will speak to each person, to each heart, in the way that you would have them to hear. And, Father, for the one that doesn't know you as their Savior, God, I pray that they'll come forward, share with me, Lord, let us talk. And, Father, that they can leave here knowing that they believe in you and that they've trusted you as their Savior. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We give you praise, honor, and glory. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.